drums are going tonight She hears only whispers of some quiet conversation Welcome back to the Cold War. Wait. Don't know why I played that. Don't need a reason, my friend. Time. Don't need a reason. <laughs> Episode 163. I'm sore, Ray. <laughs> I wanted to get that in there. I went to the gym. I saw. Last night for the first time in several months Good since the coronavirus shut down the gyms. Our gyms opened again nice. uh, the day before yesterday yeah. here in Queensland. Time to get buff. Got to go to the gym. Yes. yes. You know me. I'm all about buff. <laughs> Looking buff, Fluff. looking at buff, right? Yeah. Fluffing buff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm you. fucking sore, but yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. What about you? You've been you've been staying fit during the lockdown. Actually, I was doing some yard work a month ago, and I hurt my shoulder really bad. So I have lifted no kettlebells for a month. It ain't looking pretty, but I'm hoping to get back on it. Uh, soon. So I've just been walking the dog four times a day. He fucking hates the sight of me now, but. What are you going to do? Oh, that's nice. You walk the dog. Yeah. Is that a euphemism? No. no? It's sadly. Okay. No. 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 No, I'm sad. In November 1942. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Tito set up his first communist government Woo! at Biatch. Biatch! <laughs> communist Biatch! <laughs> the, it was called the Anti-Fascist Council for Yugoslavia, or the Avnoj, right. A-V-N-O-J. It was the Biatch Avnoj. <laughs> Good name. It's easy to put, easy to remember, put on a bumper sticker, whatever. But the point yeah. is, um, yeah. when, he start, when he sets this up, again, we were talking earlier in the previous episode about him branching out to more than just the partisans. So when he does this, he is going to have non-communist Yugoslavs in his government as advisors, that kind of stuff. So they're set up in the fall of 1942. He is making, he is beginning to make his dream a reality. Speaking of dreams, I don't know if you've looked up any photos of Biatch, but... Uh, I think I did. Oh, yeah. pr- pretty... Yeah. Pretty. And so was the... Um, we have to go there. Us, us, uh, what was that one, Ustasi? Or? Ushitsa. Yeah, Ushitsa. Ushitsa. That was yeah. beautiful as well. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, please. Yeah. So road trip. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward. Just, we'll go, just you and me. Yeah. Some weed and uh, <laughs> we'll go, cigars we'll and a car. We'll just drive around. Right, get our ass yeah. kicked by priest. Anyway. Do you know who the most famous person is to come out of uh, Biatch? Notable people? Glenn Campbell. No, I, I don't know who. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably wrong. You're right. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome if it was? Fucking You're like, yeah. yeah. Changed his name from Milan <laughs> Muska Trivovich. To Glenn Campbell, right. put on a plaid shirt. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know any. I don't know any of these names. Yeah. Uh, we go Zele Libovacha, lead member of the Bosnian hard rock band Divije Jagoji. Right. Um, let's have a little bit of a listen to Divije Jagoji here. Sure. I, I reckon we should. Uh, here's their, their biggest hit on Spotify. Culture. According to Spotify, this is Cap Po Cap. It's their uh, most popular. Most popular song. All right. <laughs> 
get into that. Yeah, that was respectable. I like that. Yeah, good riff. That's from their uh, yeah. 2003 album, Odd Neba Do Neba. Sure. Um, Never do they're still ever. going. Had an album come out in 2020 called Jukebox. Right. Uh, here's the lyrics of Capo Cap. Once you meet me, it won't be me. Just memories, crumbs of memories. Just empty pain. Now it's left the empty pain of remorse. And what you do doesn't matter to me because the rain of autumn, he recalls. Drop by drop, the rain is getting ready. Just so you know, I'm not crazy to think of you. Drop by drop, it will fall again. Those long Autumn rains, uh, cap po cap, drop by drop. I like that. Um, deep. Yeah, I know. Deep yeah. and and the album cover right. for this uh, album that that song was on uh, again. That was two thousand and three's Od Neba Do Neba is uh, uh, a centaur, sure, uh, with a hot babe riding on his back. But, so right. you got me. You got me at the centaur. <laughs> yeah, that's love it. Love a bit of centaur right. on my album art. I got to confess, Don't, as, nothing better. Right, as long as it wasn't a sexy Nazi in a bikini or werewolf, um, we're golden. Then we'd have to sue. Right, we'd have to sue, sue if hard. that was the yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Thank you for Divisio Gode for giving us permission to play that song. Thank you. Uh, they didn't, but yeah. if they, if, I'm sure they would they, if yeah. they knew that we were celebrating. They knew it was their, us. They're, Music, Yugoslavian rock, the Bosnian the rock and roll. Poetry. Um, we'll probably hang. We'll probably hang out with them and do drugs when we when we visit Bosnia. That's why, I'm sure. That's why I'm going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Avnoj in the Biatch and uh, the Avnoj was your classical sort of front government. Uh, you'll recall when um, Ho Chi Minh set up his first communist government. Ooh. He made sure that it it, it had lots of respectable people from other sides of the political yeah. divide. Yeah, yeah. you, you got to have balance. You don't want to just be seen to be yeah. communist. You got to have you got to have people from all sorts involved to give it credibility, to give it a roundness. You can get rid of them later. Sure. But in the beginnings you need to have a presentable face right. and that's what Tito did. He had some eminent non-communist Yugoslavs who were joining the partisans. Mm-hmm. So it's a partisan government, not really a communist government. Sure. So he has a lot of intellectuals and uh, non-communist Yugoslavs that are uh, joining the cause and forming the government. Yeah. Who was your favorite between Dr. Rybar, Vladimir, Nazor, uh, some of the other ones? Well, I can't go past Dr. Rybar. Dr. Rybar, you know, he's he's always been my favorite. Right. Dr. Rybar. <laughs> Uh, call, you know, well, had some great hip hop songs for himself, calling Doctor Reba, <laughs> Reba Reba, Doctor Reba. I'm, I'm afraid can I can you get me some Chiba, <laughs> Doctor Reba. Can you get some cheaper? I, I'm afraid I have you some beat. cheaper Chiba. I'm afraid I have you beat uh-huh. the Croat poster, uh-huh. uh, poet Vladimir Nazor, septuagenarian. Uh, intellectual Tito liked to have him around, have conversations. He liked to surround himself with artists and writers, adding to his court. Except for Vladimir had a constant problem with diarrhea, so I don't know how long he was in court at any one time. But between being very old and constantly incontinent, I'm not sure if that's the. I guess that's what I should be saying. He wasn't in court a lot, um, but when he was there, you knew him because you smelt. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Dr. Reba, Dr. Reba, what do I take for diarrhea? Can you get me some Chiba? Can you make the Chiba cheaper? So I'm just, you know. Riffing, baby. 
Freestyling. That's right. As we we're call not going to have to down pay, in the hood. We're not going to have to pay for a single meal when we go to the various Yugoslav countries because you're just going to freestyle for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Boom, hand it to oh, us. I'm going to I'm going to put my my Yugoslav themed rap album out before we go. <laughs> going to drop it. Celebrity. Going to drop the oh beats. My God, drop the drop right. the latest album yes. before we get there. Anyway. Now, apparently the Italian soldiers didn't like to get involved in fighting the partisans. Right. Partly because they just, you know, they're, they're, they're Italians. Sure. And, like, lovers. Italians don't want to do anything. Nope. Yeah, they're lovers. <laughs> they're not fighters. They're, they're, I'm a lover. They're, 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 these are the people from Florence. Yeah. These are the people whose ancestors painted Botticelli. These are Botticelli's descendants. Poets. These are Michelangelo's descendants. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, they're also the descendants of Julius Caesar. But I'm thinking in more recent terms. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a town. They, yeah, the Romans had their day. Yeah. Well, their thousand years of ruling the world. <laughs> they're like, now we've moved on. Yeah. We're well, lovers, we're artists, we're poets, the Renaissance baby. Right. And tell me, I, I might be overstating this, but I also read that the Germans and the Italians didn't bother with Tito because they were, uh, th- th- yes, they're in near, not nearby, but they're in various towns, but the, the Germans and the Italians are, are in more settled places. And in between them is a lot of forests where supposedly there was a lot of bears and wolves that would fuck you up if you went into there. So the Italians and Germans weren't highly motivated to travel through many miles and mountains and woods to get to the partisans to mess with them in the first place because they might not make it there. Uh, and so I'd read that the, the, they just kind of hung out where they were at and enjoyed the amenities of civilization. Mm. Yeah, drinking an espresso right. and saying, uh, Someone sitting on your lap. Hey, look, uh, look, Mussolini, we have tried to, to get the, uh, the, the partisan communist scum about uh, the, the bear and the wolf. You know, it's too, uh, the, 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 too scary. The big and the claws and Look the around, we have the coffee. Yeah. Uh, I shat myself. It's a spicy meal. We had a spicy <laughs> meatball. I got diarrhea. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway. Call a doctor to Chiba. Get the something for my diarrhea. Dr. Reba, the Chiba and the diarrhea. Hey, Dr. Chiba, will the Chiba, will the Reba, will the Chiba help my diarrhea? Oh my Tower three, man. I'm sorry, people. We're losing it. We're spiraling, spiraling downhill. I think, I think the, hour, the hour three shows are our most inspired and inspiring. But that's my. Opinion. Anyway, we just kind of melt down. We just don't care anymore. Well, it's <laughs> hot. I have to turn off the air conditioner. So by hour three, I'm sweating. I'm yeah. practically naked. Yeah, I'll send yeah. you pics. Let's yeah. just get this over with. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah sweaty naked ray balls. That's so many photos of those up on my wall here. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so the Italians started to withdraw from the NDH to the Dalmatian territory on the coast. Yeah. And they started to leave places like Bihach. Uh, and the Serbs and the Jews were finding themselves at the mercy of the Ustasha. Remember, we talked about this in the earlier episodes, when the Italians came in to the NDH and they saw what the Ustasha were doing, they're like, cut that shit out, crazy fucking motherfuckers. Loonies? You know, and Mussolini, Mussolini and the Italians were like uh, rescuing Jews from the, uh, sorry, Orthodox from the jaws of the Ustasha. 
Like, this is crazy. What are you doing, crazy people? Some of those people, some of the Serbs and the Jews even fled with the Italians so they wouldn't be stuck dealing with the Ustasha. But the ones that stuck around looked for protection and the only source of protection were the communists. Yeah. So they, uh, they, you know, their numbers started to grow and grow and grow. And, of course, the Jews also by this stage are under threat from Hitler's final solution. He wants all of the Jews from this area sent to Germany to be part of the final solution. Right. On 18th of August 1942, Prince Otto von Bismarck, Mm. The minister in the German embassy in Rome delivered a written demand that the Italian government was to actuate those measures devised by the Germans and the Croatians for the transfer in mass of the Jews of Croatia to territories in the east. Sounds like a lot of work. And what did Mussolini what did Mussolini write on the document, Ray? Um I'm trying to think of something pithy, but it's over three. What did he write? Yeah. Oh, uh, nulla osta. No objection. Nulla Ooh. osta. That's pacifist. That's a pacifist statement. Can you say yes or yeah. no? I don't know. Fucking Mussolini. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, Prince Otto von Bismarck, uh, what do we know about him? He's obviously not um, the the Otto right. von Bismarck. Ooh. Um, who know. is Prince Otto von Bismarck? Um, someone who lived in the shadow of someone else and wasn't happy. No, I, I, I don't know anything about him. Please enlighten me. Dude, you're like Mr. World War Two. You don't know who Prince Otto von Bismarck was? Not at hour three. (laughs) (laughs) No. Give me something. Give me something juicy. Oh, this this one would have been um, Otto Christian Archibald, I think, Prince von Bismarck uh, at the time. Died in 1975. He was the Prince of Bismarck from 1904 to his death. He would have been the grandson mm. of Chancellor Otto von Bismarck, who Big B. Think, died in 1908 or something like that. Right. Um, yes. So he was the grandson okay. of the Otto von Bismarck. Um Obviously, uh, had a ceremonial role yeah. uh, in the Third Reich. Um, they, he was useful, I guess, a useful fool or a useful tool. That looked good. Royalty. Um, survived World War Two. As I said, he lived in 1975. Uh, managed to uh, be a member of the Liberal Party in the 1950s. Mm. Um, they actually offered him the role of... Um, sort of a, a minister in the party. Uh, actually, he, I think he ended up joining the Conservative Party. The Liberals offered him a, a position, oh. but he joined the Conservatives instead. He was a member of Parliament for the Conservatives. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, had six kids, uh, so, blah, 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 blah. Born into the right position, yeah. didn't do shit. Typical aristocrat. His grandson is Karl von Bismarck, Karl Eduard Otto Wolfgang Jamie Anders von Bismarck Schnonhausen. 
born in 1961, currently a German politician. Right. So there you go. He is the fifth. He's the fifth prince of Bismarck. I wonder if we can get him on the show. I'll have my people reach out to we, his people. I think we can. Yeah. 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 Get him on the show. English. See what he has to say. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, send all the Jews to Germany from Croatia, Prince Otto von Bismarck. Oh, you should get the new guy on and ask him what he thinks about all that. But the Italians in Yugoslavia uh, basically just went, mm, no. Yeah, not feeling it. Don't think so. Yeah, yeah. don't think so. Yeah. General Mario Roata, who was the Italian uh, commander mm-hmm. of the Italian of the forces in Croatia, actually even went to the main concentration, concentration camp for Jews at Kraljevica, uh, and gave them his word of honour that he would protect them and said he regretted not having submarines that he could use to take them to Italy where they would be even safer. Now, this, he must have been a really nice guy, this General Roata. Yeah, sounds like right. Yeah. I mean... No, he wasn't. <laughs> he was a terrible guy. But... He... Uh, <gasps> He ordered summary executions, hostage-taking, reprisals, burning of houses and entire villages, the deportation of 25,000 people who were placed in Italian concentration camps, but he drew the line at the extermination of the Jews en masse. Well, one... I mean, we all have bad days, but that's all those other things, those bad things, those baddie things that you listed. That's just uh, the the work that you do in the course of a day of a general who's in charge of an occupation force. But because it's the end of 1942, I've got to think that he might be thinking about, you know, just in case we don't win, maybe I can have this one thing in my file when I'm grabbed by whoever uh, takes over this this area and I get put on trial. Um, I don't think it was idealism. I, I think he was um, probably just hedging, hedging his bets because that's a very hard thing to try to justify or explain away. Wow. So you're saying he did it for the cynical reason of saying, oh, come on, I'm not a bad guy. Not Look what I did for the Jews. Well, a, lot of, a lot of Germans did that uh, closer to the end of the war. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just guessing. Yeah, this is a long way from the end of the war. Though. Well, by the end of 42, you've got... The beginning of Stalingrad? Who knows? But the point is, I, it's, it's within the realm of possibility. He um, ended up uh, escaping from an army hospital in Rome uh, after the end of the war, well, the, after the Italians had surrendered. Mm-hmm. There was a, a, a reward offered for his capture, and uh, oh. he fled to Spain and lived under the protection of Franco, Nice. Was convicted and sentenced in absentia to life imprisonment in Italy. Mm. Life imprisonment plus one year of solitary confinement. <laughs> Is that your um, corpse? But it was overturned. Right. It was overturned by the Court of Appeals in 1948. Right. He returned to Rome in 1966 and lived there until he died in 1968. Nice. So oh, I just thought of another um, support, another uh, article to support my claim is that in 42, the Italians had pretty much been pushed out of North Africa. Maybe there was some writing on the wall that made him want to hedge his bets, but we'll never know. Maybe, or maybe, like all of that other stuff you said before, uh, the executions, mm-hmm. the burnings of houses and villages, 
Yeah, look, that's what you do yeah. in a war. I signed those forms. Um, yeah. And yeah, but just exterminating uh, Jews, he's got to look, listen, <laughs> I'm a soldier, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not a murderer. Right. right? There's a, yeah, There's a, a butcher. There's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. So from 1942 through to September 1943, when the uh, Italians surrendered, they didn't hand over a single Jew Damn. to the Germans or to the Croats or anyone else who intended to kill them. Good for them. So, you know, say what you want about the Italians. Yeah. But um, they... they you know, uh, disobeyed orders right. from Mussolini to protect the Jews in Croatia. Yeah. Now, I don't want to jump ahead of you, so stop me if you need to, but we were talking about, you know, the, the argument that a lot of these killings, a lot of these massacres are bringing people people to Tito's side. And for whatever reason, even though Gilash said that wasn't the case, Hitler certainly thought it was, because in November of 42, he's going to summon Pavelich to him in the Ukraine. He wants to talk about the situation in Yugoslavia, because it's like, you are creating enemies for us that could come and bite us in the ass at some point. We don't need people organizing with the partisans to fight us. Yeah. Where did you get this idea of putting people in concentration camps and killing them? That's crazy. <laughs> God, oh. Well, I mean, that's different. We're doing it to Jews. Right. It's different. Yes, you're doing it to Christians. During the trial of Adolf Eichmann after the war, many of the Jews who had survived uh, praised the Italians for providing false documents, ignoring orders, bending the rules, and in hundreds of other ways helping Jews escape. Can I get a golf clap for the Italians? I know it's rare, but yeah, I think... golf club for Italians. Okay. Thank you. Good for them. And I really do mean that. So uh, Hitler, uh, in December of 1942, Hitler, Ribbentrop, and Field Marshal Keitel, Harvey Keitel's <laughs> sure. grandfather, right. met with the Italians in East Prussia to make a more detailed plan for an operation in Yugoslavia. Yeah. They had a further meeting, another meeting in Rome in January of 1943, which was attended by General Alexander Loch, the German commander for Southeast Europe, and General Mario Roata mm-hmm. on the Italian side, as well as some of Pavelic's generals, and then on the 20th of January, 1943, four German divisions, four Italian divisions, and two Croatian divisions came together to start Operation Weisse, mm. Case White. Hitler wants this. The Case Walter White. <laughs> yeah, Hitler wants this. They are going to go hard. Hard. I guess. Hard. <laughs> So, um, so to set the stage up for this, from November, mid-November of 1942 until mid-January of 1943, Tito had his little small republic there in northwestern Bosnia. He's he's got it running the way he wants. He's got the newspapers. They're chasing out and and bitch slapping the Ustasha. They're reopening schools. They're permitting freedom of worship for the Muslims and both Christian churches because that's what you do. That kind of stuff. But it's about to go 
very wrong for Tito because, like you said, about 120,000 Axis troops are going to be coming at the partisans in their little their little slice of heaven on earth. Yeah, I'm a guy. <laughs> What's going to happen? Nothing good. Hey, did you hear the podcast I did with Chrissy? No. I actually did a podcast, a bullshit filler episode I did with Chrissy on Sunday yeah. night, man. The first podcast we've ever done together. Wow. And you're still married. Uh, yeah, okay. no, yeah. It went well. It was, it was kind of great. It was kind of cool. Foreplay. <clears throat> anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so Tito and the Partisans are in Biatch and they're publishing their communist newspapers. They're <laughs> yeah. killing Ustasha. They me. reopened the schools. Right. They permitted freedom of worship to Muslims and Jews and Christians of all denominations. So he is delivering on the goods here, Tito. Yeah. As soon as he has his little communist republic, he is uh, giving all people freedoms to uh, 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 practice their religion and to be who they are. He's saying, listen, this is what Yugoslavia could be right. if you all get on my side and help me defeat all of the enemies. Meantime, everyone's hearing more horrors that are taking place in the Jasenovac camp, the main concentration camp. It was downstream from Bihach oh, on the river Una. Right. Una, Oprah, Oprah, Una. <laughs> Una, Oprah, Oprah, Una. I was going to go with Uma Thurman, but okay. I don't know. Well, that's what it is. You don't, know, you yeah. don't remember that? No. Oh, let me play this clip for you. This is David Letterman hosting the Oscars in like 1994, the one and only time they ever let him oh God. host the Oscars. Right. I've been dying to do something all day, and I think maybe we can take care of this Oprah. Uma? Uma? Oprah? I feel much better. That was it. And they never let him host the Oscars again. Uma? Oprah? Oprah? Uma? Was people like somebody offended or or he yeah, I just think it was it was just it was just too bizarre. Right. It's just Dave at the, the height of his yeah. whole yeah, Dave just, you know, being being whereas, irreverent and wacky and now, they couldn't, couldn't handle it. It's required to be irreverent and wacky. So Yeah. Yeah. Dave Dave, you know, he, he wasn't uh Johnny, you know. Yeah. Johnny was funny, but he was traditional. Dave was just off the planet. Dave <laughs> didn't give a fuck. Dave was like <laughs> Dave was a bit like Trump in many ways. He's like, how crazy do you reckon I can go here before they fire me? Really? Like how? How fucking? Can I can I call out tanks on the streets and still keep this job? Like seriously, what's it going to take? Yeah. Well, how far can I push this before they finally get tired of it? Yeah. (laughs) What I got to do to get you to get rid of me? I'm trying to get you to fire me so I can enjoy my summer. I tear gas people and I hold the Bible the wrong way in front of a church, and even that won't get me. Come Mm. on. Come on. By the way, General Mad Dog Mattis, yeah. 
nice of you to come out and say something. Would have been nice if you actually did something when you were in the fucking White House for two years as a Secretary of Defence. Right. All well and good to come out a year later and go, oh, yeah, he's He's bad news for America. Why the fuck didn't you do something when you were actually in power, when you were there next to him? You could have stabbed him in the neck. Like... (laughs) You know, Caligula. No, <laughs> but no, no. You yeah. just sat there and did his bidding or tried to stop him from doing too many crazy things. But still, you could have spoken up then. Listen, as the Secretary of Defence, I have to say, this the guy. President's batshit crazy right. and we all need to get rid of him. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? This is bad news. Right. But no, you do it later, which is a pussy move, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe it's useful, but still, pussy move. Yeah, it won't matter. Anywho... Anyway. Uh, where was I? Pussy, Oprah, Una. River Una. Yes. That's where I was, the River Una. So as we know from our uh, previous stories of Jasanovich, right. the uh, concentration camp, they were killing people and floating them down the river to the partisans. Like, hey, look, we're killing people. Good times. Come and join Jesus. us. A lot of fun. Right. Here's some dead bodies. Right. Two Jews who had killed their guard and escaped to Bihach told stories about what was going on to the partisan newspaper. The newspaper's typesetter was a Jew. He had lost all of his family in Jasenovach. A few months earlier, the commandant of Jasenovach, Max Luburic, mm-hmm had arrived in Bihach to teach the local Ustasha some of the tricks of the trade, including his favourite, this was his party trick, How to Kill 12 Serbs with a Single Bullet, was also the title of his autobiography (laughs) and his first hit single. See if we've got that. I'm pretty sure we've, uh, pretty sure I've got that here. Oh, my God. Uh, Here we go. It was, um, let me tell you a story, boys and girls all gather round. Let uh, Uncle Luburich teach you the greatest party trick of all time. Just translating on the fly here based on my knowledge of Croatian language. You know those dirty Serbs and their orthodox fake religion. Okay, that's a tricky one, but it basically means here's a trick all good Catholic boys and girls can do when the priest stops playing with your genitalia (laughs) after... Communion. Okay, uh, this is, let's say it's getting late in the day and you've used up nearly all your bullets. But you still have a bunch of dirty Serbs you have to kill before Mama and Papa will let you come in for dinner. Here's a 
Here's a trick I learned from Uncle Ante Pavelic one day while we were killing people with blunt knives. You can get the job done a lot faster and here's how you do it. Kill 12 Serbs with a single bullet. Kill 12 Serbs with a single bullet. I know he's just repeating himself here. (laughs) Yeah, just line them up, uh, really packed, very tight, like loaves, like, like slices of bread in a loaf. Oh, all right. Yeah. Shoot the first one in the eye socket, and if you line them up correctly, it'll go through all the other eye sockets. That's 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 basically yeah. it. I mean, it goes on from there with more details, but but you get the idea. You can check that out, yeah. and my apologies to uh, Divije Zagolja for God <laughs> that. Fucked up. <laughs> what year is that song? Anyway. Uh, uh, um, oh, well, that version of it's 2003, but uh, Max Lubuich's version, 1943, big hit. He also um, showed them how to, why one must cut open a corpse's belly before it is thrown in the river. Right. Obviously, if it bloats, it floats. You know that old oh, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure I've got that on a t shirt or a coffee mug somewhere. If it bloats, it floats. <laughs> you have to cut. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hour three and a half. I'm putting that down as the title for this episode. (laughs) If it blows, it blows. Oh. Oh. Holy shit. (laughs) The Muslims, Ray. Yes, yes. they, they form the majority, as I said, I think, earlier in this region yes. of uh, Bosnia. So they were beginning to trust the partisans. Not many of the young men wanted to join the Muslim SS brigades that Hitler and Ante Pavelic have been trying to set up with the help of who for $500, Ray? Oh, was that the uh, Grand Mufti, Mufti of uh, Jerusalem? God, where's it at? Who was? Um, I think his first name was Paul. No, I don't have the name. What's the name? We talked about him on our Israel episodes. This is uh, Al-Hassani, Amin Al-Hassani. Yes, anti-British. He's the guy that led, yes, he led the Arab revolt in Palestine and then when that went horribly wrong, escaped to Germany. Yes, uh, in World War II, he was the, uh, the the fascist Muslim who hated the Jews. Oh my God! And the British, right? Obviously, yeah, yeah. So, a Muslim committee in Sarajevo wrote to Hitler on the first of November, nineteen forty-two. Commending his policy in the Middle East, but complaining about the Ustasha massacres of the Serbs. They were like, listen, love what you're doing with the Jews. Love it. Love it. Yeah, keep it up. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Please continue killing the Jews, but this this whole supporting the Catholics killing the Serbs, got to stop. Right. You got to cut that shit out. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we think, in fact, you're trying to inflame, or the NDH is trying to inflame the Serbs yes. against the Muslims. They said to achieve two ends with a single stroke, that is to annihilate the Muslims as well as the Orthodox Serbs in Bosnia-Herzegovina, they sent several Ustasha battalions from Zagreb wearing our caps, the Fez, right. with orders to kill the Serbs and at the same time addressing each other with, with Muslim names. The aim of this devilish plan was to show Muslim, show how Muslims slaughter Serbs. So basically, f- a false flag attack, right. they're claiming the Croatians were doing to try and turn Fuck. Muslims and Serbs against each other. So it had come as no surprise as the, the Muslims are starting to look at the partisans and going, you know, yeah, maybe we have uh, we can work something out together. Because they, like you said, they are the majority yeah. in that northwest, I can't remember, region of, uh, of Bosnia. So, yeah, so again, other people's actions are starting to benefit Tito because they're just so heinous. Yeah. So when the Germans were defeated at Stalingrad and the Axis lost North Africa, sort of 1943, Hitler decided that he needed to prepare for one or more Allied landings. Mm -hmm. And one of the locations he expected them to land at was, in Churchill's words, the soft underbelly of Europe, the Balkans. Yeah got to be ready for that shit. And so the last thing Hitler needs is a bunch of drama going on. There is a bunch of um, crazy fucks uniting all of the forces together against the Germans and the Italians because if the partisans are able to unite a whole bunch of people and then the Allies fucking land there and can give them weapons, that's just a big, giant military headache that Hitler doesn't need. So quit doing stupid shit to unite these peoples against us. And Hitler decided that... uh you know, he needed to get down there with the Italians in force to take care of the nonsense that's going on and be prepared to defend themselves against an Allied uh, landing. Now, this led to a bit of an argument between the Italians and the Germans. The Italians wanted to pull most of their forces back to Italy, which is actually when Churchill used the term the soft underbelly of Europe when he was talking to Stalin and he drew a picture of a crocodile. Right. Uh, (laughs) The soft underbelly, he said you have to attack the soft underbelly as well as the snout. The soft underbelly, I think he was referring to Italy at the time, and the the Italians wanted to pull most of their forces back to Italy. Just leave the Chetniks defending the Balkans. Give them a bunch of weapons. Because they were... Yeah. Yeah, give them lots of weapons. They're anti-communists. Go for it. Uh, and the communists are on the side of the British because Stalin, etc., etc. Stalin's deal. Hitler, on the other hand, thought the Chetniks were pro-British yeah. and shouldn't be armed by the Axis. Jesus. And, of course, they're both right in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that Draza Mihaljevic you know, really was supporting the British in a way. I mean, he had a British liaison. He thought the British would help restore the monarchy, which is really what he wanted, King Peter. Uh, King Peter, as I think you said in the last episode, or maybe in this episode, had had meetings with FDR and Churchill. They were happy to restore him to the throne because they were like, yeah, liberation and democracy for all peoples. (laughs) 
except yeah. the ones where you know we would rather just give them a monarchy again right. because you know fuck them really the, the Greeks right. the and Yugoslavs the, you know yeah. and the king works for us right as long as we're clear on that you're you're our guy you're our king yeah. then you're our golden. guy yeah you're golden pony boy freedom and democracy <laughs> for all people to choose their own form of government unless. <laughs> Uh, we don't like that form of government because right. it's communist, yeah. in which case, fuck you, yeah. take the monarchy the that we give you. Yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah. Now, Tito obviously wanted the exact opposite of that. He doesn't want the, the monarchy being restored. He wants to conquer the Chetniks even more at this stage than he wants to drive out the, the foreign invaders. He probably thinks, uh, you know, Stalin will help him do that in time. But by early 1943, the Chetniks controlled most of Serbia and the Sanjak, the sort of region I uh, mentioned in an earlier episode, Serbia, Montenegro, um, and also they controlled Montenegro, eastern Bosnia, Herzegovina, almost down to the coast. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, they're in a much stronger position here than the partisans are, and they had ruthlessly eliminated the Muslim population of the Chetniks wherever they went, slaughtering unarmed men, yes. women and children. Yeah. Now, in spite of German objections, though, the Italian general Roata, Roata Spicy Amitabola, <laughs> determined, fuck you, Adolf, I'm going to use 30 Chetniks to 30, uh, do the bulk of the work. 30,000, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Chetniks. Um, because really, why would I sacrifice Italian men yeah. when I can sacrifice foreigners yeah. and Canada use foreign. the Italians to defend Italy? You yeah. know, makes more sense to me. Yeah, it's like Churchill sending in the Aussies at Gallipoli. Right. Why would I sacrifice British when I can sacrifice the Aussies? Fuck them. <laughs> They got we, we made the first mistake of sending them as prisoners to paradise in the first place. Right. Not gonna make the same mistake again. And they that's they they it's the least that they can do for us right. is act Die. as machine gun fodder. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the very payback. Exactly. So the very first step of Operation Vice, Operation White, um, is is um General Aota is going to take these thirty thousand Chechniks and he's gonna line them up. They're going to be a blocking force. So when the Germans and the Italians and the Croats come at the partisans, uh, they won't be able to go too much farther because they're going to be blocked by the Chechniks. You've got them surrounded. Wipe them out. It's like, like I said, 120,000 against roughly 20,000. This should be a very simple operation. We're all working together. And once and for all, Tito and his partisans will be no more. Yeah, so look, this is a long and detailed thing that I don't think we want to get okay. lost in the weeds, but um, the final stage of Operation Vice took place on the Noretva River. Mm -hmm. uh, it's known, the operation is known in Yugoslavia as the Battle of the Noretva, Bitka Noretvi. Mm. Um, now this... This is fucking brutal and, yeah. uh, again, is one of the points where Tito really becomes a legend yes. in this, this battle. This, you know, he's already sort of a, a bit of a hero um, and he's, he's got this big vision for uniting the people, but this is really where he becomes 
Tito of myth and legend and lore, yeah. I think, for, for, for the partisans. It's almost like he had two long marches. He had the one previously, and now he's got this one. And they're going to be fighting the entire time. It's going to be brutal. They're going to lose a lot of people, like 7,000 people. So, again, he comes out of this, and even though he's wounded, it's like, is there something about this guy? He can't die. They can't put him down. So, yes, he does start to become a hero to a lot of the people. And this is not his last dramatic moment in, in a military sense. And like Ho Chi Minh or, or like uh, Caesar in the early days or Napoleon in the early days, he's massively outnumbered. Yes. Uh, and yet still comes out victorious, gets wounded. Damn comes out, he can't be killed, gets trapped a number of times, manages to escape, comes out victorious. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's really a tremendous story of probably luck more than engineering yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, he manages to come out on top and, of course, for his followers, oh, yeah. he's the guy. Yes. You know? If he had been killed in one of these operations, we would, you know, probably have forgotten that he even existed. But he didn't, exactly. and so he's a legend. Exactly, mm. exactly. And, uh, yeah, so by the time this is over with, even though they've lost a lot of men, they, they survived. And this is almost like General Washington in the American Revolution. As long as Tito's alive, as long as he has a force that has some arms and ammunition and some support of the people, he is going to be, an, at the very least, an irritant to whoever wants to dominate this area. You will have to deal with him one day, one way or another. And so, again, his his goal right now, yes, he wants to go after the Chetniks, but he's surviving, waiting for the tides of war, like a lot of other people, to turn, and they are starting to turn. And actually, the Washington analogy is a good one because, like Washington, mm-hmm. he only Tito only survived this because his enemy let him. Exactly. Yeah, they never really In Washington's him. case... Yeah. In Washington's case, yeah, the the British commanders were uh, sympathetic to the American rebellion, and they were like, "Yeah, we just we'll just give you a head start. You just get over there." And we're, oh no, we're chasing! Oh, are we chasing him? Oh, right. chase, 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 chase! But there are bears and the wolves in the mountains. You don't understand. It's very difficult. In this case, as yeah. we'll see, Tito did a deal. With the Germans. Now, at this time, Tito believed that the British, the Chetniks and the Italians were all acting together to bring back imperialism to Yugoslavia. In as early as June 1942, he reported back to Moscow that the Yugoslav government in exile had got in touch with the Italians through its representative at the Vatican (sighs) and that the... Chekniks that he had managed to capture said that the arms they received from the Italians had been paid for by the British. Ooh. I could. I, so, do you believe uh, that? Yeah. I could see. No. No. Yeah. I mean, I could see Churchill hating communism as much as he he as he does, but he needs Stalin right now, and so. But I think he's trying to. Is he trying to make himself out to be the victim of a conspiracy in Stalin's eyes? Maybe also at the same time blowing up his image. With Stalin at the same time? Well, maybe he was getting this intel from captured Chetniks who were lying. Ah, gotcha. Um, obviously, the Chetniks did have a deal with Britain, mm-hmm. um, but Britain was the enemy of Italy and, uh, you know, it's yeah. it's it's convoluted. Sure. But it, it's, it's possible 
for both the British and the Italians to be supporting the Czechniks, even though they're at war with each other. I mean, that's that's not uh, unheard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like when Obama was funding ISIS. No, was funding... <laughs> who was he funding to fight ISIS? Uh, uh, some other... Uh, the, the, the Syrian army? Someone, anyway. Right. And the whole Syrian civil war situation, I remember... At one point, Obama was actually supporting his enemy Jesus. to defeat another enemy. I think supporting ISIS actually to defeat That's how uh, the Syrian government, the Assad government, or the other way around. Maybe supporting the Assad government to defeat ISIS when they were actually trying to overthrow Assad as well. I can't remember which way it was now. God. But yeah, because it was fucking convoluted. Um. Now, you may, may recall, Ray, mm-hmm. the infamous percentages agreement signed by Churchill and Stalin. Yes, vaguely. Do you remember Yugoslavia was on that? Do you Ooh. remember how they divvied up Yugoslavia? Mm. No, I'm going to go with 50-50, but I honestly can't remember. Good guess. It was 50-50, yes. They 50-50. They were going to double tap. They were going to, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, DP, <laughs> DP Yugoslavia. Um, Churchill's going to stick his dick in their ass. Right. Stalin was going to stick it in their pussy or the mouth. Um, but that wasn't agreed to until the fourth Moscow conference in October 1944. Ooh. So that's a good year and a half yes. away before whoever, they would agree on that. Whoever gets there first. Yeah. So back to Operation Visa began on the 20th of January 1943, as I mentioned earlier, huge, huge operation yeah. for German divisions, for Italian divisions. German tanks, artillery, and air attacks throughout Western Bosnia Herzegovina, yes. basically pushing the partisans towards the river Neretva, mm-hmm. where they were going to have to face the Chetniks and the Italians. Yeah. 90,000 to 120,000 Germans, Italians, and Croats, 12 air squadrons, 12 to 15,000 Chetniks. And how many partisans, Ray? Uh, about, well, now. This is almost a trick question because the one of those sources said 20,000. However, there were women and children with the partisans because they saw Tito as their only uh, salvation, someone who would treat them decently. So I don't know the number, but I'm going to guess 20,000. Yeah, I, I mean, 20,000 in the army, I think, plus, you know, a baggage train mm. of wounded women and children right. who saw the partisans as their only form of protection. Yeah. Save us. Obi-Wan, Tito, you're our only hope. Now, these people were all hungry, barefoot in the snow, suffering from typhus. There was an epidemic of typhus going on at the moment. But uh, even as the partisans were killed, the, the people were rising up. Thousands of young men and women were ready to join the partisans in what was at last becoming a mass revolt against... Not only the occupying and invading armies, but also the Chetniks and the Croats. Yeah. Uh, people roots. were buying into yeah. Tito's vision. Yes. Yeah. Volunteers were pouring in from all over the countryside. And, you know, some of these were a new breed of partisans. These were people from some of the harshest regions, not only of Yugoslavia, but also just the harshest regions of Europe. They were hard, like 
D'Angelo's cock as it's driving into your wife late at night while you're crying downstairs. I'm not crying. Hard. I'm not crying. They were hard. They right. were long. They were yeah. black, but they That's- were hard. That's not the worst part. The part, the, uh, the part, like I said, where she screams, don't stop. That's what hurts. Yeah. The most. Anyway. Oh, it hurts so bad. Don't stop. Don't like, stop. Yeah. It's like a good pain. Anyway, please continue. The English writer Stefan Clissold wrote about how the young Herzegovians right. would, when they joined the Communist Party during the war, demonstrate their loyalty by shooting their bourgeois parents. <laughs> This is how committed I am to this ideal. Well, yes, you've got to watch out. If you ever see Sophie wearing a Tatovka with a <laughs> run. little star on I'm it. I'm going to run. Run. <laughs> run. Like, motherfucker! Yeah, yeah. I know she's got German heritage, not Yugoslav, but... Uh, close enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, well, plenty of Hitler youth gave up their parents, you know. That's so true. To be shot, I'm so... I'm fucked you know. either way, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Um, one of the, this Stephen Clissold, he wrote, uh, 10 years after the war, when I shared a room in a student hostel in Sarajevo with young Herzegovinians and Montenegrins, they used to regale each other with stories of what fun it had been to witness the execution of the Italian prisoners, especially when the victims wept and called out for their mothers. Oh my God. Um, Hold on, yeah. I got a, I've got a song that they wrote. Oh, uh, there is not a song about this. There is not a song related to this. Please. No, no, there was. <laughs> um, I'll see if I can skip straight to the chorus here. Killing Italian prisoners while they cry for their mothers. I just have to say, as far as those people you were talking about, how fanatic they were on February 17th, when the, when the partisans come up to a section of the line, um, manned by Italians, the Italian surrender. It's, um, it's the third battalion of the 259th regiment, but the point is they surrender. They're all killed except for the drivers who are needed to transport wounded and ammunition. And after they're killed, they these uh, partisans take a page from the Eustache's book and they throw them all into the Rama River so they can float down so everybody can see their bodies. These partisans, these new, younger, more fanatic, whatever partisans are not playing games. No prisoners will be taken. Now, Hitler kept trying to convince Mussolini to abandon the Chetniks, who he believed were a threat to the Germans and would side with the British when they eventually landed. He even sent Ribbentrop to Rome to try and convince Mussolini to kill Draza Mihalovic. This is getting crazy. (laughs) Now, Draza on the other hand, wasn't even leading his troops in person. Um, He wasn't wasn't that crazy. He's like, listen, I believe in the war, don't get me wrong, but 
you know, I've, I've got uh, yeah. things to do, more important things. You don't want me on the front lines. Busy, I'm in the busy, back busy. lines. I'm in the, I'm in the comfy lines. Yeah. yeah. I'm in the bunker like Trump right. in the White House. Deep, deep down on the ground. Protecting deep in the, the safe, bunker. Protecting the safe room with my body. Now, he had, he had practical, pragmatic reasons. He was also the Minister of Defence for the government in exile in London, Pete right. King Peter's yeah. government in exile, and he couldn't be seen to be working with the Italians who were the an invading force, even though he was working <laughs> with the Italians. wasn't a good no. look. No. But but even without him there, the Chetniks, the Italians, the Germans and the Croatians nearly succeeded in trapping and wiping out Tito's entire partisan Exactly. Force. Besides that one victory against the Italians along the Rama River, by March 6th, Tito, Tito's troops everywhere are pinned down, like you said, by Germans, Chetniks, NDH troops, Italians, whatever. So it's not going well. But again, supposedly, and I do believe this, Tito is staying cool because I think he knows if he shows any panic, the whole damn thing will fall apart. So the point is, in early March, they are sitting near the River Rama, and he has to come up with some kind of plan on how to get through, or he is what's left of his forces are going to be squeezed, and he will be taken out by some German or Italian bullet. So there he is on the shores of the River Banana Rama, and he's uh, surrounded no way out. Right. Looks like he's a goner. They're all dead. But he has probably the most brilliant idea he ever has. A cunning plan. That was a cunning <laughs> I have a cunning plan. <laughs> what is it, Baldrick? Uh, his plan was to make a truce. You're a bit Baldrick. You're my Baldrick. I often think of you. People will often refer to you as Carl Pilkington to my Ricky Gervais, but I say, no, he's more Baldrick to my Blackadder. That's the way I like to think of you. Uh, thank you. Because Blackadder was kind of cruel and evil. Yeah. That's how I like to think of myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. as do I. Yeah. yeah. He tried to make a truce with the Germans, Ray. Now... Yeah. These are his, his enemies. Yeah. He's going to try and make a deal. What does he possibly have to offer that the Germans would want? Actually, he's got a couple of things. One, he's got some German POWs. We know the Germans are, uh, they're going to call themselves officers and gentlemen, and they want to to get back as many of their men as they possibly can. However, why are the Germans there in the first place besides Hitler pushing them and making them do this? Because the partisans have been attacking German lines and their railways and they're, and they're messing up goods going to the front uh, for the German soldiers of Barbarossa. So he's like, look, not only can I give you some German POWs, but if I promise to lay off all of the things that you consider valuable, maybe you'll leave me alone because you've got a higher priority, Germans. You want to go kill Russians. I get that. I've met some Russians. I'd want to kill them too. I've got a higher priority too. I want to kill the people that I want to go after. It has nothing to do with you. It's not you. It's not the Italians. I want to go after the Chetnits. You leave me alone. I leave you alone. We can kill our enemies separately but equal, and everybody's happy. And believe it or not, mm. there's actually some, some serious dialogue because as crazy as it sounds, the Germans do have a different priority. He is not their number one priority. Yeah. 
So he, one of the Germans that he has uh, as a prisoner is a Major Stucker, mm-hmm. and his ideal is to trade Major Stucker and his other German prisoners for some of his own prisoners being held in the NDH, yeah. including his wife, Aww, Big off. Herter. <laughs> Did he hurt her? Eh, well, you know. <laughs> a little pinch. Yeah, but she said she cared, She said uh, it hurts so good. Um, <laughs> keep keep it coming. That song better just now. <laughs> it's hour three <clears throat> plus. And Big Hurt so good had uh, a child, her That's child right. with Tito. She'd given birth to just before the Axis invasion. But he had bigger plans. He he invited the Germans to join forces with him to destroy the Chetniks and then the British if they oh, land. He goes, listen, shit. I hate the British, you hate the British, the yeah. Chetniks love the British, let's both kill the Chetniks and then kill the British. Oh, win-win. So Tito had Tito had Stoker send a letter to the Germans suggesting a parlay, and they agreed. Now, Tito had to decide who he's going to send. This could be a one-way death mission, obviously, right. to send people, uh, 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 parlay diplomats to the Germans. Sure. But he decides to send the lawyer Vladimir Velebit because his father had been an officer in the Austro-Hungarian army and he spoke German well enough to pass as being Viennese himself. He sent Kocha Popovich, who was one of his assistants, uh, had fought in Spain and was one of Tito's best generals. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was representing the partisan army in right. the negotiations. He spoke French and some German and was extremely anti-British. I just posted a photo of him and Tito up on our website a bit mm. earlier, cool. both wearing Tito uh, Titovkas. Right. Um, and he sent Milovan Gilas, representing the Politburo. Now, because of his high position, though, he had to use a fake name. Right. Didn't want them to know they'd captured a member of the Politburo. And, in fact, his identity was so secret, the fact that he was part of that negotiation wasn't revealed until 30 years later. Damn, that's important. He's important. A lot. Now Gilas only knew basic, very rudimentary German, but I liked the, I liked the, the fact that he said. But after all, we didn't intend to discuss Goethe and Kant. So <laughs> could be good. Good enough. Yeah, I can say yes, no, and go fuck your mother <laughs> in German. That's all I'm going to need for this <laughs> negotiation. But of course, the big question here is, yeah, what will the Russians think about this? We're negotiating with the Nazis. Yeah. Fucking what is Stalin going to say? Yeah. And Gilas, before he left, asked Tito, and Tito's answer was... And he's not wrong when he says this. He says, well, they also think first of their own people and their own army. 
I, um, speaking of Stalin, so I can think of my people in my army. Fuck Stalin. He didn't say that, but that's kind of the... Just. That's basically what I have in my notes. His answer was basically, fuck Stalin. That's what I got right. So I <laughs> and he's not wrong. Now, he's not wrong. He's not wrong, but he is the leading member of the Politburo of the Communist Party of Yugoslavia right. saying, fuck Stalin. Huh. A precedent has been set. Wow, yeah. man. Imagine the shock. That must have gone through yeah. the rest of the members of the Politburo. Yeah. I mean, he didn't say fuck Stalin as far no. as we know, but he said, you know, Stalin care, worries about his own people. I worry about my people. Doesn't matter what Stalin thinks. Right. Now, he did actually, um, in one of his regular radio communications, uh, he did uh, update, let the Russians know they were meeting with the Germans, said it was just to exchange prisoners, but yeah. Stalin was no fool. Right. He had these people reply back, and are you going to do a deal with the worst enemy of mankind? Damn. So the meeting happened and the Germans sort of expressed. Now, this uh, uh, this is uh, General Glaze von Hostenau. Right. We've talked about before. Already we know he is disgusted by the uh, Eustachia and their concentration camps and all of this kind of stuff. And so yeah. the Germans expressed their horror at how the Yugoslavs were fighting each other, destroying their own country, yeah. at the Eustachia and what they were doing to their prisoners. And they seem to be amenable at a local level to doing a deal. Gilas reported back to Tito, then he went on to Zagreb, the capital of the NDH, to begin the prisoner exchange. Mm -hmm. But while he was there, he met with the Germans, uh, also had discussions about defeating the Chetniks and fighting the British, and the ploy basically worked. Yeah. Horstenau agreed to stop attacking the partisans if they stopped attacking the Germans, and he would let the Germans attack the Chetniks. He would let the partisans attack the Sorry, Chetniks. let the what? partisans, yeah. hour three, yeah. yes. He would so, let the partisans attack the Chetniks, yes. Yeah, so, so, so Tito got what he wanted. He's able to get out of this trap, and it would not have happened. Like you said a, a couple of minutes ago, we probably wouldn't know about Tito if he died here, but he's able to get out of this because he worked something out with the Germans. Now, the question is, was this the Germans being genuine? Because I think the general was being uh, genuine. I, I, I think that. But I think once word gets back to Berlin, I think Hitler's going to override what the general wanted to do because he's making the general's making a good decision for what, for what he needs in this part of the war. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. when... General von Horstenau communicated this back to Berlin. Hitler lost his fucking mind. <laughs> As only he can. And said he didn't deal with rebels, he shot them. Does this sound like Trump? Yeah, it is. About, I think Trump's working up to that. Yeah. And Americans in the street, yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, the- pretty much a Trump line, yeah. <laughs> God. And now he's got his common-law wife, to Hasback. I didn't mean to speed you up. I just wanted to let everyone know for the lovers out there, he's got his wife back. And his mistress at the same time. <laughs> and that it's leads tricky. to some tension in the camp, as you can well imagine. But, you know, he's Tito. Hey, I'm yeah. Tito. What are you going to do? Actually, 
Actually, hey, just what are you going to do? Just real quick, for whatever reason, this woman, the uh, the mistress, uh, Denka, Zdenka, I don't know how to say her name, but she just seemed to have a power over him. She was bitchy, and he never put her in her place. But one time, she loses that. Then Jilash is going to find a very old world way about how to deal with this shrill. Yeah, but I don't want to get okay. into the the tabloidy he, aspects he of said, it. Yeah, he told said, her to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah. Anyway, the Germans follow up. We're well over an hour. Let's uh, let's get this shit finished and wrapped up. The Germans followed up now with Operation Schwartz. Yes. Uh, may the Schwartz be with you was the other <laughs> name of it. Case Black. Yes. So here the partisans think they've got to deal with the Germans. Uh, which they do at a local level, but then Hitler went, fuck that shit, yeah. and the horse it rode in on, and uh, they they prepared to trap the partisans while they thought they had a deal. But Tito manages to escape across the river Noretva, pretty pleased with himself, uh, his abilities as, as a trickster. Yes. As, uh, you know, the god Loki, he started wearing a helmet with big horns. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's a great story in one of the books when a military engineer warned him that the river Drina was too swollen or oh, sexy yeah. to be crossed oh. safely. Tito said, ah, get the fuck out of here and, and said to Gilas, you know, the experts as a rule don't take into account the human will. Humans who are determined to do something achieve it, even when it's considered impossible according to calculation." Damn. Which sounds to me very much like something Napoleon or Julius Caesar or Alexander the Great yeah. would I, say. Listen, I will it. If I if I will it, it will get done. Right. Yeah. And Tito uh, was right on yeah. this occasion, but his arrogance, uh, you know, nearly got the better of him. Yeah. And, and just to let everybody know, this Operation Schwartz goes from May fifteenth to June sixteenth, nineteen forty-three. Yes, he makes it, but there's a big battle, the Battle of Sutjeska, and he loses a lot of people. He gets injured, but again, he comes out of this, and and the his status or whatever as a legend, as a hero, is only growing at this point. For whatever happens, the, the Germans just can't seem to kill this guy. Yeah, and and meanwhile, uh, the end of February, Draza gave a drunken speech oh, where he declared that his enemies were the Croats, the Muslims and the communists and that only when he had dealt with them would he turn on the foreign invaders. Ooh. Now, the senior British liaison officer at the time was Colonel Bailey. He heard the speech, reported it back to London. Oh, shit. And that's, you know, um, <laughs> helped along the process yes. of the British going, I'm not sure this is the guy <laughs> that uh, we want to be yeah. allied with. On the 11th of May, the Yugoslav government in exile, probably because Churchill told them to, yes. instructed Draza to make up his differences with the partisans and join the fight against the Germans. Mm. But by the time this all happened, the partisans had their deal with Germany, but they worked out eventually that that was over when they were attacked by 120,000 <laughs> Germans, Italians and Croatians right. at the Battle of Suciesca, as you said, which was fought with everything from planes and artillery to knives and rifle butts. 
Tito was wounded. Gilas was wounded. Yes. Dejier was wounded. Dejier's wife, Olga, was wounded and died. She was the um, army's surgeon. And there's a terrific story in one of the books, I think Richard West's book, yeah, you probably read, where she was like on a stretcher being carried out after being hit with a bomb, I think. And um, they were offering her uh, morphine and she was saying, no, don't give it to me. Give it to the people who really need it. Um, basically, I'm a lost cause. Right. Um, she said to Dejier, you know, look after our daughter, raise her to be a good communist. And then she died and they, they buried her in a makeshift grave, but it was like hard rock, so it was a shallow grave. They, they dug it with knives and hands. He lost his wife. Uh, big, you know, it's a very, it's a beautiful, sort of a touching uh, uh, story, that yeah. bit in Richard West's book, but I didn't go into it in detail in my notes. The partisans lost about a third of their army, more than 7,000 troops uh, during the Fifth Offensive. The Germans also lost a lot. And their commander, General Law, uh, said afterwards, the fighting was extraordinarily heavy. All the commanders agreed that their troops were going through the most bitter struggle of the war. A ferocious partisan attack, which struck the 2nd Battalion of the 369th Division in particular, affected a breakthrough on this front near Jalaska and Milojevina. All the enemy forces managed to retreat through this front and to disappear into the mountains to the north. Damn. The German troops were too tired and exhausted to be able to do anything about it, and there were no reserves. So here you have 20,000 partisans yes. fighting 120,000 Germans <laughs> and Italians and Croatians, and they managed to... Survived. They lost a third of their force, but the rest of them survived. They escaped. And from this moment on, the Germans considered the partisans even a greater threat in the Balkans than a British-American invasion. <laughs> That's saying something. So, so all those times, going back, I don't know how many episodes, he's finally got a force. He's got fanatics. He's got people who are dedicated communists who are, you know, again, they're fighting in the mountains, in the forest, and this has got to be just miserable. Because by the time this is done, Tito has lost so much, so much weight. I think the ring that he had falls off his finger and he loses it forever. But the point is they're all battered and they lost a bunch of their people. But these are the type of people that Tito needs. He's got the dedicated fanatics fighting for him that he's been looking for for all this time. And now he's just got to hopefully survive the war because it's far from over. Far from over. Yeah. So towards the end of July 1943, Tito decides that he, Gilas and Rankovic are going to return to Western Bosnia and then go on to Croatia itself mm. where they'd heard that an increasing number of Roman Catholics were turning against the Ustasha. Damn. They had realised this is, this, is, this is not going to end well. <laughs> we need to do something about this. <laughs> right. And on their march across Western Bosnia, Tito heard on the 25th of July, 1943, that Mussolini had fallen. Oh, and God. obviously yeah. the uh, partisans are euphoric when they hear this. On the 8th of September, 1943, he hears the news of Italy's unconditional surrender and then he is in a race with the Germans to seize the weapons and supplies and territory that the Italians had in Croatia. 
And the final point I wanted to make is whenever he found Jews, he saved them from the Germans that were coming into the territory. Again, just a sign of the character of the man here. He is worrying. He's fighting a war, the most brutal war he's ever going to fight in his life against the most brutal enemy and yet he's uh, you know, trying to save Jewish civilians everywhere he can along the way because he doesn't want them to get snatched up by the Germans. Now, right. maybe he's doing this for cynical reasons so he can build his reputation as uh, the, the guy who's mm-hmm. uh, the saviour of the Jews. Um, I, in fact, they did start calling him the Christ, and that's why I refer to him as uh, Tito Christ. Tito Christ, <laughs> superstar. superstar. Who do you think you really are? But the point is, these Jews are alive because of him. And that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, naked, sexy, uh, sexy, naked, uh, sexy, fuck, what was it? Sexy Nazi werewolf (laughs) bikini babes from hell is the end. The end Sexy donkeys. of <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm stopped. It's the end <laughs> of episode three. <laughs> on the island of Cuba. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. Nice guy. I don't give a shit. Good father. Fuck you. Go home and play with your kids. 